The Lord be with y'all. Welcome, folks, friends, to the And Also With Y'all podcast. I'm your co-host, James Franklin. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, co-host Eliza Brinkley speaks with friends Lindsay and Don about parenting during COVID times. And as a parent myself, I can totally empathize as a father of a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. It's hard. It's really hard. In fact, I've had to re-record this a few times because of background noises and uh, kids bursting in on this and Zoom calls all the time. So I can totally relate. But without further ado, here is Eliza interviewing Lindsay and Don. We hope you enjoy. Eliza Brinkley. Um, I'm the digital evangelist for the Young Adult Episcopal Hub, which is a program of the Episcopal Diocese of North Carolina for young adults. And this series, Distancing Diaries, focuses on the different experiences of young adults in the diocese during this time of coronavirus. Specifically, the young adults we're featuring are sharing with us how their lives have been changed and challenged by the global pandemic so far and how they're making sense of those changes and challenges through their faith. So for tonight's episode, I'm joined by Lindsay and Don Porter, who are members of the Chapel of the Cross, um, and they are parents to Charles, who is seven, and Madeline, who is three and about to turn four in a couple of weeks. All right, so without much further ado, uh, Lindsay and Don, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, how long have you guys gone to the Chapel of the Cross? Well, four years. Yeah, four years. We moved here four years ago. We started right away. Okay. And do you guys mind telling me a little bit, like, about your own separate faith journeys growing up? Like, did you grow up in the church? Did you grow up in the Episcopal Church? Other denominations? Sure. Yeah, I guess I'll start. I am a cradle Episcopalian. I was baptized at uh, St. John the Divine in Houston and as an infant, so I have never known anything else. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's been a really, really central part of my life, pretty much for my whole life. My parents have always been heavily involved in whatever church we were at was as we moved around during my childhood. And then as I became an adult myself, um, kind of continued that and have been very involved in the church pretty much throughout. Nice. So I was raised a uh, Southern Baptist and also, you know, church was a big part of my upbringing. Um, you know, by about middle school, high school, um, fundamentalism and, you know, parts of the Baptist church, you know, came to feel like not such a great fit. And, you know, I, I was, you know, in, I guess in college, I went to some non-denominational but, you know, evangelical churches. And then um, and it was at a Methodist school. And then when, when we started, we got married, I guess, I started going to Episcopal Church and, you know, found my way through there. And I guess 
you know, by the time I got to graduate school, I was received into the Episcopal Church. And then, you know, we've been continuing to go ever since. Yeah. And can y'all tell me a little bit about, like, how you, how kind of you're involved in church life, um, like, on a regular basis? Like, what things are you involved in? The Chapel of the Cross? Um, yeah. Well, in normal times. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I sing in the choir and, um, I am, I'm kind of a periphery and peripherally involved in the children's ministry kind of as a, as an occasional sub. And then I like to help out with our vacation church camp in the summer as the storyteller and off and on. I've done a few things like with stewardship uh, committees and I've done a search committee, which was really fun. And again, back when we were getting back to normal, I would think I was meant to be a part of the Oregon fundraising committee. So right. yeah, I guess that's we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot. And I, um, I, I founded and I, I host a uh, parents book club that meets monthly. And so we read, sometimes we read parenting focused stuff and sometimes we read popular theology and sometimes we just read kind of random spiritual type of things but it's just mostly a chance to get together and have the church provide babysitting (laughs) for us to get together and talk. Nice. I joined the men's uh, breakfast Bible study on every other Thursday, um, which is still going on, uh, you know, during COVID times, but it's a, you know, it's a nice way to connect. I don't know. Let me, Oh, I have a, um, uh, a college student that I mentor or whatever through the, mentoring program or at least attempt to to mentor i feel a little guilty in that you know when school was in session we were both super busy but you know we did our best and then you know nothing has really gotten easier during corona times right uh, nice yeah and um lindsay i'm interested just if you could like really quick this is kind of uh going off on a tangent but what are some of the things that you guys have read in that um book club that you've put together. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So I'm actually looking at our bookshelf right so, now and it's about half the books that are on our little bedroom bookshelf. So we read Shameless by Nadia Bowles-Weber, which is about um, like a new ethic of sexuality. And that was excellent. Um, we read The Universal Christ, which is Richard Rohr's latest offering. And that was also really, really good. Our last book that we read was um, kind of an older one of Rob Bell's called Drops Like Stars, which was more of like kind of a, a book of short meditations. And it was cool. We also, we kind of alternate between more theological books and um, more parenting slash personal Like personal growth, growth type stuff, yeah. Um, right. And so like The Road Back to You or AKA the Enneagram book. Yeah, we did uh, an Enneagram book. That was a lot of fun. Uh, We read Raising White Kids recently. Mm. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I feel like we've actually kind of read a lot of things. We usually try to keep the the number of pages really manageable, like 100 pages a month, just because we are parents. And even then, it's kind of a struggle to get the reading done. (laughs) Maybe we read a Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. We read um, Braving the Wilderness, uh, Brene Brown. I think the only one we didn't care for was Blue Like Jazz. I right. think we're allowed to say wanna... that, right? <laughs> yeah. And the... You don't know who's going to hear this podcast. That's right, true. exactly. We don't know. I don't need to be harshing on Blue. A lot of people love that book. Yeah. 
all right anyways true yeah. so those have been a few of our of our offerings in the past cool. yeah I like that you guys kind of do a mix between things that are maybe just more for like adults and just like yourselves and then also as parents um Donna, I know I, I talked to you, I talked to you about this once, I think like in between services, but you were saying how much you appreciated the, um, the children's program at Chapel oh, yeah. Cross. Um, can you speak a little more to that? Like, what do you think the church has given your children just kind of in general at this point in their lives? I mean, I know they've got a lot of growing to do, sure. but at this point, oh, what, no, what is, what have been the gifts? Here is kind of above. It's very thoughtful. Um, like everything is really, you know, well grounded theologically, but at a level they can, you know, handle and, you know, grow and appreciate. And I don't know, I, I guess it's just the kids, it's not a battle to get the kids to go to church. They love all the teachers they have in church school and, you know, they like participating in either Children's Chapel or now Charles has graduated more or less to big church and you know but yeah I, don't know. I think they just get a lot out of it and i think that yeah i don't know i think the good book talks about uh you know where your treasure is there your heart is also and you know a lot of churches we've been in have either like well we'll find some college student to throw a few hours at the problem or maybe some moms will get together and run the program you know, but it's like, we'll have like, you know, two ordained senior ministers for the uh, older adults, or we'll have like a second associate to the choir director. But like, you know, I really appreciate that this is a church that puts real resources into what's basically the future of the church, right? Like this, this is the seed corn. And, and it's always shocking to me how many churches just kind of like try to cheap out on that. Yeah. So my question now with, because it, it sounds like the Chapel of the Cross, you know, has kind of given you so much or has given your children all of this. So now with this new normal and not being able to be at church as much, what are some ways you guys are kind of filling in the gap? I mean, can you think of like specific ways that you're doing that or maybe resources that the church is giving you guys or I don't know what's. I will say that, you know, doing holy week at home and in particular foot washing and monday thursday was a really nice experience and you know and very well facilitated by the church and boykin in terms of identifying ways to help us do this at home um that i don't think we would have been able to yeah put that together on our own i mean but parenting in COVID times in general is just a struggle um especially with i think especially with younger kids but right well, and yep. I, did, I did see those Maundy Thursday pics. Those were pretty, pretty cute. Um, can you explain like what you did with that for people that may not be familiar with, like even, because we may have some listeners that aren't familiar with even Maundy Thursday and, and what the service looks like. So could you explain? What sure. So um, yeah, kind of following some resources that Boykin sent out, I just sort of decided kind of last minute to make Maundy Thursday, which is my favorite holiday of the church year. And it's the remembrance of the Last Supper and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I just have always found it to be a very special and powerful service. I was really bummed about missing it. So I decided I was going to make it happen at home. So we basically just um, kind of had a typical meal but set the table. I set the table a little bit extra nicely 
and everybody had a little glass of red wine. The children had a tiny little teeny tiny sip of red wine (laughs) (laughs) and in a tiny little goblet, which they found enchanting, you know, kind of another example of being treated more, you know, with some seriousness, right? Like you're included, you're part of this. And we just sort of wove the different readings that we were provided through, through our regular dinner time. And there was a couple of special blessings and there were some like children's versions of Bible stories that we read. And then at a certain point, I just sort of announced that we were going to do this foot washing thing that I had set up in advance. And we just all marched over to a place where I had prepared a basin of water and a bowl and a chair. And I put the, oh brother, where art thou down to the river to pray on loop. And we just washed each other's feet and the kids wanted to do it over and over. I think, I think we each got our foot feet washed and washed others feet like five times. Everybody washed one foot from everybody else. Yeah. We did all the possible foot combinations Yeah, and I could just tell they were really into it and like really delighted by it. Yeah. And took it really seriously, but also found it fun. And then we, you know, came back to the table and then we kind of, at the end of the meal, sort of stripped the table as if you might strip the altar, um, kept mm-hmm. it kind of serious and talked about what we were doing afterward. So yeah, that I think has been a standout during, as we're calling it, COVID times. But other than that, it's just been, <laughs> we put, you know, TV church up on the, on the, the big screen on Sunday mornings, but the kids are kind of just, they watch some, they watch a little bit, they drift in and out and they, they mostly just build pillow forts and do whatever they're going to do. Well, and I think it's funny because you say that like almost, I mean, I I know you don't really feel, but you say it as like, oh yeah, we're not really doing much or, you know, (laughs) other than the Maundy Thursday thing, but isn't, it always has struck me like, when I was raised in the Episcopal church, it was so much about just like being immersed in it and not necessarily always being cognizant or like conscious of it. Right. Like that came later. So I guess, do you guys find that so much of like raising children in the church is just having them be like surrounded by it and immersed in it and, and comfortable with it without, they may not be at the age yet, maybe where there is like, conscious of it yet or maybe they are maybe they're asking more faith questions I don't know but but it does strike me that there's that element of just kind of like osmosis almost with with being in the church yeah that's why we're I mean I'm pleased that Charles is like interested in coming to quote big church you know because I know that he's absorbing the rituals and just all of the different symbols and um yeah I know exactly what you mean Eliza that it's not so much about sitting them down and having lessons as it is just kind of weaving it in and also in how we, how we live our values. You know, we, we help others and we, I try to include them when it's time to, you know, pack the food box or if we see a homeless person on the street, you know, they're the one that can go and give them some change and that kind of thing. Just more like, and then we, you know, I talk explicitly about that's what Jesus would want us to do. Right. And it's really cute. Madeline is in this phase. That's our three, almost four year old where, whenever we mention God she just pipes up and says and God loves everybody Aww. and she just says it so like matter-of-factly right <laughs> that's yeah. like her go-to and we're like that's, well, that's right. all you can want right that's right like, yeah that's like we're, the main we're doing all right for three yeah so uh, how's homeschooling going I wanted to make sure that I 
<laughs> and how does that work? What is your schedule Hard. like? Like every day? There isn't one. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Our schedule is um, that I am teaching. Uh, I'm an upper elementary teacher at a Montessori school. And so I have live lessons pretty much all morning, um, Monday through Friday. And Don uh, is working really hard on a deadline right now. He is a professor at UNC. And so he is out sitting at our kitchen bar, getting as much work done as he possibly can. And I'm in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, and those, that's where we try to get work done. And during the morning, the kids are pretty much just running feral. Like they're just left to their own devices. <laughs> and it, yep. it kind of works, sort of, kind of. Mm -hmm. We get through it, and then in the afternoon, Madeline still takes a nice long nap, which is when I get a lot of work done in the afternoons, and then I try to encourage Charles to do something educational, and it's been very difficult. Mm. Been very difficult, and I'm just, uh, he has, he has like a half hour live lesson every day, pretty much. Um, and so he does get that just direct instruction, but as far as like doing the worksheet afterwards, mm. it's recommended. It's like, not so interested in that. Right. And so I kind of realized to save my sanity, I needed to just mostly let go of that and focus on getting my work done because mm -hmm. he's happy as a clam to just be building with his Legos and reading books in his room quietly all afternoon. So we pretty much just, uh, I think we're doing unschooling now, technically, right now. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> so it's, it's hard. I have some mom guilt and some, mm. some like teacher professional guilt that I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, yeah. using these beautiful resources my colleagues are providing my child and, <sighs> yeah. and it, you know, I wish he, he were more into, but it is what it is, you know, and right. we can only do what's, what we can do mm -hmm. during this time. We're not super disciplinarian about things like so I think that you know we can't just tell the you can't necessarily expect the kids to like just give them a to-do list and they'll go do it like and, and if you want to really ride herd on that all day like that's going to be your job it, that's going to be your, your job like job if you have meetings or classes to teach like that you can't do that and be walking out every 10 minutes to check on whether the kids were doing what they're supposed to do or in my case, you know, I have a lot more flexibility now that the semester is over, but I still have, you know, research grants and other things I'm supposed to be working on. And like a lot of that requires concentration. And, you know, most studies indicate it takes 15 minutes to get into any kind of flow. And mm -hmm. so if you have to stop every 10 or 15 minutes to like wrangle your kids, you can work eight hours and have very little to show for it, you know. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you both have kind of gone through a process where you're realizing like, oh, like I've got to let go of some things maybe yeah. that, that I thought I could hold on to throughout this period, but, but quickly realized maybe weren't as realistic. Um, yes, that would be accurate. Yeah. So then this kind of segues greatly into my next question. Cause I, I have a hunch. I'm not a parent myself. I'm single and, you know, just, do whatever I want all the time, um, sort of, wow. basically. Not really, but yeah, if you ever want to trade lives, okay, just let me know. <laughs> but I have a hunch that you are not the only parents in the world right now realizing this, uh, that, you know, there's certain things that you need to just kind of let go of um, in this new normal. So my next question is, um, 
how do you see that tying into your, to your faith? I, I mean, do you feel like your faith has been changed? Your relationship with God, has that changed at all? Your relationship with the church? I mean, it's, it's a really broad and vague question, but, but are there any kind of links to your own spirituality or faith that you can think of kind of with that? I think that for me, this is probably the first time in my life that I felt this out of control. Hmm. Like, I mean, not that I've always felt like things were just going to work out, but like, I mean, there's definitely been uncertainty or anxiety, but really like, you know, to a first approximation that like most of our lives it's kind of like, Oh, I'm going to go do this. And like, Oh, I went and did it. Or I want to save up and buy this thing. Or, you know, you can kind of make plans like, I'm going to go this place in three months and like, you'll be there. And like, this is the first time in my life that really, <laughs> you know, I have people like, Hey, you know, we want you to come like visit in July. And it's like, we'll see, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. like, right. but just that so much of life right now is really not up to us. And, you know, and there's, you know, of course, scary things with COVID specifically, but, um, I don't know. I, I guess I feel like in some levels, some of these stories from the Bible, like where like it's, it's sort of in some ways easier to relate to like these stories where like, you know, so people really had so much less power or autonomy, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that has changed for me a bit. The place of that feeling, but otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I think I would be stretching to say that like other things have dramatically changed for me spiritually. Right. And I think that's totally legit, but I think that is interesting what you said about some of those stories almost seeming like more relatable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw a post today on social media, uh, someone who said um, like this whole crisis has made them realize that like humans don't control the world as much as they thought they did. And so that kind of made me, that made me think about that. Um and I, and I think it's totally true. Lindsay, what about you? Do you, do you want to add anything to that or do you echo what Don's saying or? Yeah, I'd say I probably echo what he's saying. Um, just realizing that, that control was always an illusion. It's not that these are like extra out of control times. It's just, everything was actually always out of control. Hmm. And it's yeah. just that that things also kind of just tended to go according to plan, but that wasn't ever guaranteed. <laughs> and that like something about, um, I feel connected to, to kind of thinking about people, faithful people of the past who have just had to rely on their faith in times of trouble, you know, living through the Spanish flu or living through a war or, um, you know, even just living in olden days where things were a lot more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never felt physically unsafe before in my life. Um, and I don't, I don't obsess about the virus or anything like that, but I, I just, I feel a little bit unsafe now. And that's right. made me feel connected to people from the past, but also to just people around the world who are never safe, you know, and they are always relying on God, like on a very physical daily basis. Um, and we're getting a little bit of a window into that in a tiny, tiny, tiny way, because um, it doesn't really compare in a lot of ways, but but it is an experience that's a new experience for me. I mean, I, I'm certainly more 
like you know no one's ever guaranteed tomorrow and in principle like you know anything could happen at any time but i'm definitely spend a lot more time thinking about and praying for people especially in higher risk groups that i care about and i don't know on a sort of related note too i mean you know i always kind of thought like you know like the exodus story the israelites were kind of like you know it's like why can they get it together like why why are they always sort of like (laughs) yeah you know like just messing up left and right and irritating god and like i don't know i mean i feel like we're also seeing in our own culture like a lot of stress behaviors and like Mm -hmm. i kind of can also get that story a little more (laughs) yeah yeah you know yeah yeah so i guess kind of my wrap-up question then just because like i feel like the conversation has naturally led to it is um are you guys kind of what do you feel like you're gonna take from like all of this kind of moving forward um like as individuals and as parents like do you feel like you know once this is all over if it ever ends (laughs) (laughs) like do you are you going to be intentional about maybe like having a slightly different mindset about your day-to-day schedule about parenting about your jobs like is there something that you want to be intentional about I guess moving forward like once this is all done I mean it could be just as simple as like you know praying more often or or doesn't even have to be spiritual like it could be you know just stopping to smell the flowers or I don't know but is there something <laughs> I guess po- I don't want to say positive but but so positive or constructive. what negative things are we going to take from this well (laughs) (laughs) that place of the wall where i punched it and yeah um yeah so we've started taking a walk all together every day pretty much every day at five o'clock we just stop and we walk around the neighborhood Mm. and because there just isn't that much else to do yeah but i have found that to be really lovely Mm. uh and we've kind of seen our neighbors a lot more. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but we there's especially just one family that lives on a, an adjoining street that we've gotten to be, like every day we see them around the same time and we visit their chickens and they're very friendly and they've invited the kids in to like see the chicks and then we've watched the chicks grow over the COVID times. And um, we've actually gotten to be like friends with them as a result of just seeing them daily. And we see people out and about we see so many more people walking around and we smile at them and it just seems like I hope that we all kind of carry forward this idea that we're all very 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 intimately connected and I hope we don't forget about that I don't I don't actually have a lot of expectation that humanity will carry that forward but I have hope it's a hope so there's that and I also just have a little bit more humility I think as a parent Um, because I was kind of on my high horse about like technology and my kids don't, you know, they don't watch TV and they don't use the screens and they don't do this and that. And, and it turns out when you need your kids to uh, be babysat by something for like two and a half solid hours, there is nothing like an iPad for that. Right. So I have really had to humble myself and let go of a lot of my very strongly held notions about that. And yeah, so I think I might be a little bit less judgmental as well. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, and maybe just forgiving yourself a little more. Yeah. 
That's, right, that may come yes. into the guilt factor you were talking about. Had to let go of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly I, I'm pretty humble about not setting big expectations once, like, social pressures and other things come rushing back in. But certainly there are things that are easy to take for granted that I probably won't ever again, like, we've talked about you know child care um certainly also just social opportunities you know like i really miss sitting in a coffee shop or sitting at weaver street and being a little more connected and you know so 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 some things like that i think i will probably just not like the quiet of my own office Mm. i won't take that for granted i don't think again um, your three things are all things in, where you're by yourself. <laughs> I'm like sitting in a coffee shop well, by yourself, sitting at Weaver Street by yourself, and sitting in your office. Well, but you just mean like out among people, among people, but not with people on top of you in your space always. <laughs> like the ability yeah. to like do my own thing was, you know, like the, some of this was. You know, things that I don't think, I don't, I think on some level I took for granted, right? That like we could just drop our kids off at school and and expect six to eight hours of like adult time um, to like get our stuff done. And so, so there's a lot of stuff I won't take for granted. I mean, there, and there are like small silver linings to this time, like the family walk in lieu of a commute that I hope will survive. Uh, or translate to the after times, but I don't know. I think we'll have to see. I mean, we'll I think see. It's kind of up to us to maintain what we want to maintain. But you know, the, there, like I said, there are some silver linings to. In some ways, it was a relief that before this happened, you know, I was sort of weighing that. Like there are a number of areas of my life that had been neglected for professional growth. Mm. including socializing and deepening friendships and stuff like that, that kind of got blown out of the water, but in some ways it made it easier to like, you know, spend more time with family or more time, you know, with fitness or other things. Like so in some ways it made some choices easier. Yeah. Definitely. But you know, once those other things come back on the menu, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <I'm just> <laughs> see <laughs> what happens. Yeah, it would be it'd be easy for me to like try to end this episode by being like, and isn't it great? Because we'll all just, you know, keep doing the same things post COVID and we'll make sure that we don't, you know, take it for granted. But it is a worry I have like, you know, people keep saying like the reality is going to be different post COVID. But I wonder, well, how different is it going to be? And is it going to be different enough to where it like actually touches like ordinary people's lives you know like and 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 once all the opportunities come back that were there like so then are our walks gonna go out the window is our you know baking bread gonna go out the window whatever things people have, have started to do that 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 are so i think sacred right and so wonderful and simple like is all of that just gonna kind of go away Um, I think think it'll be a mix, right? I think that some people are going to find that some of this stuff was more satisfying than what they were doing before COVID, but they wouldn't have 
prioritized it under normal circumstances. And I think some people will be like, oh my God, like, you know, can I, can I please be like exactly at the fire marshal's limit for capacity at <laughs> some bar? People like, that sucked. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think, yeah, I, th I think you're probably right in that it, it will be a mix, but I guess we don't know exactly what it will look like at this point. Um, just as we don't really know. Or, no, or when. <laughs> or when. Yeah. That is, yeah. How or what or when or. Yeah. yeah. But I think that at least for us, there have been several things that are likely to continue. Yeah. Um, we just have to see. Well, that's great. Well, like I said, if you ever want to switch lives for a day, my offer still stands. Um, <laughs> but you guys are obviously doing the best you can. And um, well, thank you guys for keeping us mindful of all of that. And um, <laughs> especially for us single people that, you know, just hang out all day and don't have, don't I, have I, responsibilities. <laughs> you do have responsibilities. Have you have well, a job. Sure I, have I, a job I suspect that there's a little more to the story than that. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't have little ones to, to look after so but that's why i wanted to talk to you guys um so thank you so much for giving us some insight into what parenting is like during this time and and um how that connects to your faith and and um not just your faith but but also like your children's spiritual upbringing and and all of that so i, I really appreciate it That's it for this episode of And Also With Y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation of Distancing Diaries. And if you would like to learn more about the Episcopal Church or the Diocese of North Carolina, please visit us at episdinc.org. Or you can download the Yeah NC app to find out more ways to connect and for more resources. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you.